Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Kings chapter 19. Place your fingers there. Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 4. 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to pray tonight. God's going to help us. I know, man, you're not going to read scripture. Please don't let that trip you up, okay? You'll get word before it's all said and done. Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 4. 1 Kings chapter 19. And if you will, just remember these two words. The wilderness. All right, the wilderness. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you right now. I need your help, Jesus, tonight. I pray, oh, Lord, to convey and share your word, Lord Jesus, in an understandable manner and way. I pray, oh, Lord, God, tonight, Lord, fill our minds, but not just our minds, but our hearts. I pray, oh, Lord, through your word. I'm asking God that you could help me, Jesus, reach out and touch a life, a soul, a person. God, perhaps, Lord, where they may be this evening. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, today, that same spirit that we have felt up until this point in time. Let it not, Lord, fade right now. Let it not, Lord Jesus, disassemble right now. But let it intensify. Let that spirit intensify right now, God, through the divulging Jesus of your word. I pray, oh, Lord, take a hot coal off thine altar. Lay it to my lips, Master, that I could speak some acceptable words, Lord Jesus, in this place tonight. And I will for sure give you the honor and the glory and the majesty for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen let's give the Lord another great hand clap tonight amen prior to be seated hallelujah hallelujah we love you Jesus we love you Jesus turn to your neighbor and tell them the wilderness the wilderness amen and as soon as I say that those two words many times there's not very uh, good connotations that come with the words, the wilderness. And some of you are looking at me and saying, Brother McGee, you don't have to tell me anything about that. I know all about it. I could have wrote the book concerning the wilderness. But whereas this evening we could go to about 296 other passages that mention my subject matter this evening, I desire just to focus upon three of them And it's because I believe that these three occurrences in Scripture are basic models for all the 200 plus recordings that we find in Scripture. In Luke chapter number 8, a demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes has been tormented by unclean spirits, Scripture says, for a long time. He wears no clothes, the Bible describes. He has no abode, amen, but the tombs. And oft times he has broken the chains and the fetters that have been placed upon him. In Luke chapter number four, Jesus is full of the Holy Ghost but fully tempted of the devil for 40 days as he feasts and fasts, rather as he fasts, he enters into this place full of the Holy Ghost and he exits in the power of the Spirit. The Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter number 19, there is Elijah, the prophet of God, 
who has up to this point has reached the climax of his ministry, the apex of his relationship with God. And now he is making some uncharacteristic requests before the Lord. He is where he is of his own volition. And although each of these in Luke 8 and Luke 4 and 1 Kings chapter 19, although each of these differ in their details and their times and their circumstances surrounding them, all of them vary, there is one common denominator that is throughout each of them and there is a thread of commonality, if you will, that ties all of them together. For it was in Luke chapter number 8, if you peer there with your eyes, that Jesus is met by this man who cries out and falls down before him requesting that he wouldn't be tormented by the Lord. The unclean spirit that had this man, if I, if I may tonight, the tormentor was requesting that he be not tormented. And although it would seem that literally literal bonds had been insufficient to keep him bound and hold this man in bondage, there is a bondage that the eye could not see. Amen. That demands a deliverance for this individual. And scripture records, if you look at Luke 8 and verse 29, I want to just pluck a few phrases out of here. It says, he, the possessed man, was driven of the devil into the wilderness. In Luke 4, the debut of Jesus has arrived. His public ministry is on the verge of blossoming, but not without opposition. His fame after this occurrence, the Bible says, it will be thrust into every region throughout the land, but not without a period of solitude and not without a period of seclusion. His divinity is emphasized by his use of the word of God there against the enemy, but his humanity is underscored by his hunger his testing, and ultimately where he is presently located. Because Luke 4 and 1 states, if I can pull a phrase, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Old Testament scripture of 1 Kings 19, Elijah has expended all of his efforts for the Lord. He has done valiantly for God. One of his most notable victories in the Old Testament has just occurred through his hands on Mount Carmel. Threatening words are now being breathed against him. Amen. And he leaves the summit of the mountain and he trades his triumphant plateau among the ridges, if you will, of the wilderness. The Bible says in 1 Kings 19.4, he himself, speaking of Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness. Three people, three different circumstances, three different surroundings, three different lives, but they have all led to a common denominator, a common thread uh, that happened through all of them. They each find themselves in the wilderness. These are happenings at different times, different eras, different people, but the locality, if you will, of their transition, the locality, if you will, of their transformation is the same. It is 
the wilderness. There is a period of time in their life that they've all met and that we all shall likewise be perhaps more times than not. We will all have a wilderness that we will embrace. And while this may be true, ladies and gentlemen, each of us have our own wilderness experience, but sometimes we are at the wilderness for different reasons. Each of them got there for a different reason and was there by a different means. If we can somehow rehearse, look at it now. The Bible says the demon-possessed man was driven of the devil into the wilderness. The Bible says in Luke 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the Old Testament says that Elijah himself went and resorted to the wilderness. Someone say amen. So in spite of all the different ways in which they arrive here, amen, their reason for being there, I believe is absolutely different because one was forced there. One was forced to the wilderness. The other one was willfully led to the wilderness and another just got up and went to the wilderness. Someone say amen. The wilderness, negative connotations for the most part. But it is a part of life. It's a part of the life of a godly prophet. Amen. And just as much as it's a part of the life of a godly prophet, it's a part of the life of a demon-possessed man. And just as much as it was part of the life of a demon-possessed man, it was a part, and we all take a great sigh of relief right here when we understand that it, it, it even wasn't subtracted from the life of Jesus Christ, that he had his own wilderness to experience. And so with this understanding tonight, I understand that the wilderness is unavoidable. It's going to be a part of my life. It's going to be a part of my life at various times. But I believe what the evaluation here tonight, what is necessary here this evening is this. Have I resorted to the wilderness by myself? Or have I followed the Spirit here? Or have I been forced or driven here? Someone say amen. I believe it's only with the results from those that we can even properly formulate a response to our personal wilderness about how in the world did we get here. Walk with me here just for a little bit this evening. For the Israelites, the wilderness was a place through which they would travel. Amen. It was not a place of a fixed abode. It was the place of a journey. It was a place that the Bible gives much time and attention to. A large section of the Bible is devoted to the wilderness experience of the children of Israel. The wilderness area was that place that was between their exodus from Egypt and their entry into the promised land of Canaan. The wilderness, if you will, was a place between total bondage and total freedom for the Israelites. It was the place that was somewhat in between. Sadly, tonight, I tell you this evening that the wilderness is not a one-way street. It would be great to be able to say the wilderness is a venue from which you get from total bondage to total freedom, and that's the only direction that you can go. But the wilderness is not a one-way street. The wilderness is, if you will, a two-way highway. It is the place of in-between. If the Spirit leads you there, it's a transition from slavery 
to freedom. If the Spirit leads you there, it's a place from bondage to freedom. But if the devil forces you there, if the devil drives you there, it is to be a transition from freedom to bondage. That's the reason why this evening, whenever you find your personal wilderness, it's a good time to evaluate how you got there. Was you led of the Spirit there? If so, God's trying to take you to a place of freedom. But if the devil drove you there, he's trying to put you back in bond. Someone say amen. And if you go to the wilderness by yourself, you're not being driven there and you're not being led there. But if you go to the wilderness by yourself, then you're in a contemplative state in your life. Because that is the place of in-between. That is the place where I could go back to Egypt or I can go on to my prom. It's the place of in-between. Many times it is negative, but there's positive things in the wilderness. The negative things are it's a desolate place. A positive thing is, is the mount of God is there. A negative thing is that fiery serpents and scorpions were there. But a positive thing is that God said he would bear us up bare in the wilderness. A negative thing is that there's minimum rainfall in the wilderness. But a positive thing is God said he would guide us in our Wilderness. A negative thing is that you can get easily disoriented in your wilderness. But the positive thing is God said he'll feed us in our wilderness. Negative thing is that it's a place of the flinty stone. It's hard on you. But the positive thing is, is that's where God made a covenant with his people. Right there in the wilderness. Someone say amen. The wilderness has been a fearsome place. And I can't say that whenever I hear the words wilderness that my soul doesn't shake whenever I consider going into the wilderness. But on the other hand, ladies and gentlemen, looking through the eyes of the master toward the wilderness, it can prove a very unique place, a place where God can meet his people and where his people can meet their God. What I want us to try to summarize tonight is this. What is this wilderness to me if I've been driven to the wilderness by the devil? When you are at the wilderness because the devil has driven you there, because the devil has forced you there, it's so that you might transition back into what you once were. He wants to drive you back to your Egypt. In essence, he wants to get you back in a position of having chains, being restricted with fetters. He's trying to get you to digress and to act totally diabolical to the way you're acting right now. He's doing it by force, and he's driving you into your wilderness. The Hebrew word for the word wilderness is midbar. It doesn't just mean a desolate and deserted place. It also means that which is beyond. The enemy of our soul's desire is to somehow drive a people to a place which he believes is beyond. He wants you to get to a place where you are beyond hope, beyond grace, beyond God's love, 
beyond forgiveness, beyond understanding, beyond mercy. But the news is this, ladies and gentlemen, just when he thinks, just when the adversary of your soul believes he has driven you to your wilderness and has driven you to a place that is beyond, just like in our Bible story of Luke chapter number eight, amen, in that place of Gadara, which is known for its tombs, known to be a wilderness that devours time and time again. The Bible says Jesus shows up on the shore of the very place where the enemy had driven. Whatever he said, that's beyond the arms of God. The arms of God comes across the sea to where you are. Whatever he says, that's beyond hope. Hope comes meeting you where you're at. Whatever he said, that's beyond mercy. Mercy comes running to where you are. Gadara was known for their tombs and as a wilderness as of old it was the wilderness that devoured a generation of Israelites a generation was lost in the wilderness the Bible plainly tells us a generation was lost in the wilderness that's where he wants to entomb us does someone hear me right now the reason why if you're in the wilderness and you're being driven there of the devil he wants that to be your demise he's wanting to entomb you there he's wanting to shackle you there he's wanting you to put you back in bondage there and make you think there is no way out. I've done been this route and now I've turned back around and embraced it. So what's the use? But I'm trying to tell somebody today, you need to be looking at the shoreline because the master's about ready to step on that territory and take back some dominion and offer some freedom back in your life. Say, I'm taking you to the place that is beyond. Yet the Bible says in Hebrews 7, 25, speaking of God, Jesus Christ, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. I don't care where you are, what your wilderness may be, what the chains may have been that bound you before that are trying to bind you again. My God is capable of saving to the uttermost. He's capable of saving to the place that is beyond. The wilderness. When the devil drives you there, the wilderness does not so much. And I need you to listen very clearly here. You got to take these accounts. You got to marry them together and listen to me all throughout this in order for us to come to the same ending tonight. But the wilderness does not denote, listen to me, a barren desert. As many times people try to denote it. But in scripture, a wilderness is so much more just a uncultivated place. Hear me today. An uncultivated place. In other words, it generally denotes a region, hear me, that is not regularly tilled. You gotta, you gotta walk with me right here. Because since the wilderness is normally a region that is not regularly tilled, there's no wonder then that Cain was so attacked. Hear me right now. There's no wonder then that Cain was so attacked in his endeavors. I know when we look at the Cain and the Abel scenario, we paint the sainthood of Abel and the, the ruthless killer of Cain. 
But I want you to know the reason why the enemy, hear me right now. The reason why the enemy had set his crosshairs so firmly upon Cain, hallelujah, is because Cain's row in life was different than Abel's row in life. But Bible says in Genesis 4 and 2, speaking of Eve, and she shall bear again his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel kept sheep. <laughs> Someone hear me right now. He kept sheep. A wilderness was an off-time place where people would keep animals and it was a place for pasture. But uh, on the other hand, on the other side of the coin of Abel keeping sheep, Cain, on the other hand, was a tiller of the ground. Listen to me well tonight. By his occupation, he was responsible. Hear me. He was responsible for lessening the wilderness. A wilderness is untilled, uncultivated area. But every time Cain put his hoe in the ground, he was lessening the amount of wilderness. The wilderness is uncultivated ground until ground. And God from the beginning had given Cain the responsibility. There's a bunch of wilderness out here and I want you to make it less by tilling the ground. I want you to make it less by cultivating the ground. So every time Cain went to work, every time Cain got that hoe, he was shrinking the expanse of the wilderness. Someone say amen. Maybe I'd say it like this. The wilderness ceases in being the wilderness whenever it becomes tilled and cultivated. That's why I believe tonight, Brother Mason, the enemy put Cain so much so in his crosshairs. Put Cain so much so in his crosshairs is because if I let him continue in the direction he's going, he's going to make less of a wilderness that I can drive people into. If that wilderness is the place between your bondage and your freedom, if there's tillers and cultivators of the ground, he's going to make that distance between your slavery and your freedom a little less if there's people that will cultivate. So the devil seen this, seen a man, placed him in his crosshairs. And the Bible then therefore says in Genesis 4 and 11, and now art thou cursed. Speaking of Cain now, after he had done what he had done, he had killed his brother. God, the enemy knew he was trying to disrupt someone lessening the wilderness. And he says, and now art thou cursed from the earth. You're cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Verse 12, and look at it now. Now when thou tillest, look at this. Cain, when you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Here is Cain.
Cain. Cain kills his brother. The spirit of the enemy moving upon him. He kills his brother Abel. And now he becomes a nomad. He has a nomadic life, which many times was reserved for what? Reserved for the wilderness. And resulting from this murder, resulting from this action, Cain now is cursed. And there's a curse now upon Cain. It doesn't matter how hard you cultivate or try to till the ground. It's still going to be a wilderness. It's not going to respond to you. I don't know if you understand this, but the very thing that Cain was eliminating, the very thing that Cain was eliminating, causing to be less of, <laughs> he was now driven by the antagonist of his soul to roam in for the rest of his days. Satan set a mark on him. Why? Because he says, I got to take out the man that's going to lessen the amount of wilderness in life. If the devil drives you there, if you're in the wilderness and you can survey your life and say, hey, I'm not here because the Spirit led me. And I'm not here because I got up and went here. But the enemy has driven me here. Let me tell you something, folks. You need me to run in as hard as you can back towards your freedom. And back towards your Canaan. Because your enemy doesn't have that mode of purpose in mind. to letting you go back home. He wants to take you back to Egypt. It's serious tonight that we evaluate why we are in our wilderness and how we got there. Because he'll change our response to it altogether. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 that Elijah went there. There's very few traces, very few people that we can even trace in Scripture of going to the wilderness voluntarily. I mean, I don't know at any of the travel agencies that, hey, we're getting together a busload to go to the wilderness. Everybody's signing up and they're cashing in their money now for the trip. But ladies and gentlemen, if you go there of your own volition, hear me today. It's probably because you're contemplating something. I was going to preach this last Sunday, so God, we didn't have that, so here I am. You're probably contemplating something. Hear me today. If you go to the wilderness by yourself, it's probably because you're wanting to try to ride the neutral ground. You want to be somewhere in that place in between. Don't want to be totally given to bondage, but you don't want to be totally given to freedom either. That wilderness is the neutral ground. You're not bound there, but you're not free there either. It would be the tribe of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh that whenever they came to that Jordan River that a generation before them had come to, hey man, and decided they wouldn't pass over. That gave them their wilderness experience for 40 years. Now they're back at the same Jordan River. And there's a tribe of Reuben and a tribe of Gad and half a tribe of Manasseh that's saying, Moses, give us the inheritance on this side. Give us our inheritance on the east side of Jordan. In other words, we'll take up residency right here in the wilderness. We'll take up presidency right here in the place that's in between because the wilderness was suited to their way of life. I like being somewhere in between. And if they 
resided there and they did. It was not because that's where the Spirit led them. The Spirit was leading them all the way to Canaan and it wasn't because the devil kept them there. They decided of their own volition to stay on this side of Jordan. Uh-huh. They said in Numbers 32, verse 5, Sister Sheila, I'm sorry, Brother Mason. I slapped him in the face a little bit. Amen. That's for some other time probably when I should have. That's what I tell you kids, right? Amen. Wherefore said they, verse number 5, Wherefore said they, If we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession. And look at this. Bring us not over, Jordan. Sometimes I preach in this pulpit and I teach in this pulpit and I talk to people and I talk to faces and I talk to circumstances many of you don't even know about. And what I see in response sometimes from that place is there's somebody that's dug in in the wrong way from what I was talking about this morning and they're voicing with their action and they're voicing with their demeanor. Brother McGee, don't take me over this Jordan. Spirit of the Lord, don't lead me over this Jordan. I'm alright to be out of Egypt but I don't want to get any just leave me right here in the wilderness because this is the place in between oh this is suited to my life but I got to preach to this people right now when those those words fell out of those tribes mouths when those words fell out of those tribes mouths Moses was angry Moses was infuriated because of their actions why because the way that they were acting right now was no different than the actions of the previous generation that had come to the Jordan and said they didn't want to go over and because they gave their voice of not wanting to go over they discouraged the hearts of all of all of the people because whenever you want to go to a wilderness and you say this is where I want to be this is where I choose to be whenever you voice that your voice of influence is filtering to the lives of other children Moses says we've been here before and they said we don't want to go over and that's the reason why we've been in the wilderness for 40 years because of the voices of the people that wanted to stay somewhere in between. So be careful. When you have a self-appointed trip to the wilderness, that a group of people's not following behind you. Uh, we'll break this microphone before it's over with tonight. The association, listen. I'm probably going to say that all throughout here. Everything I got to say is important tonight. Listen. The association of the wilderness, many times, even Ezekiel, the association of the wilderness was associated even with a forest or woods in Scripture. Not just a desolate place, not just a lonely place, but a woods, a forest, a place, listen to me, a place where people can be easily disoriented. It's easy to get lost in the woods. 
when you don't have no sense of direction. And if you choose to go to the wilderness, it's because you're contemplating anyway and you're not having a good sense of direction. So when you, when you self-willed enter into the forest without your compass, you're gambling to get disoriented. In so much, you can even tend to believe that you're headed in the right direction. And it can be squarely the wrong direction. Consider Elijah. I know I touched on this in our Elijah study, but God brought scripture number three of Luke 4 and 8 in my life. Amen for this tonight. Elijah was at a place that whenever he went to the wilderness, what began to happen for him? He became very disoriented about life, about his present circumstances. Listen, if you have situations that rise in your life, please don't purposely go to the wilderness to sort them out. Because it's not going to make things more plain. It's going to make things more confusing. You're not going to get better direction. You're going to get more lost. Because you're going in there without no guidance. If the Spirit's doing the leading, fret not. If the devil's driving, you better be worried. But if you go up by yourself, you are without The common talk it was of the wilderness was this. The common talk of the wilderness even for the children of Israel was this. Why don't we go back to Egypt? This is the talk of the wilderness. Why don't we go back to Egypt? Did we not have food in Egypt? Did we not have houses in Egypt? Did we not have water in Egypt? Ladies and gentlemen, it is in the wilderness that things, listen to me now, are so distorted that you will desire death more than life and Egypt more than Canaan. (laughs) But the grace of God is this, ladies and gentlemen, right in the middle of his deliberation. Right in the middle of his contemplation, God shows up. He went there of his own volition, but God showed up in his wilderness. He sustains Elijah. Why? Because Elijah, I don't want you to die. And I don't want you to go back to what you once were. I want you to have freedom. And I want you to live. That's the mercy of God when we choose of our own making to go to the Lastly, this evening... You can be driven of the devil there. You can of your own making go to the wilderness. And lastly, you can be led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And when you're led into the Spirit by the wilderness, it will not be without its test. People could vouch for me tonight. And it will not be without its trials. That's the nature of a wilderness. That's the nature of a wilderness. 
But I got to speak to this precious people tonight. That if the Spirit leads you into the wilderness, that wilderness is on the heels of promotion. John the Baptist was in the wilderness until he started his public ministry. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years until he started his ministry as a deliverer. Jesus was led into the wilderness and stayed for 40 days and nights prior to his public ministry. Listen to me right now. Your wilderness will either precede your ministry or like Elijah, it will separate you from your ministry. And the difference of the two accounts is this, is if you're being led by the Spirit or if you went there yourself. If you go to the wilderness yourself, that wilderness is trying to separate you from what God has for you. But if the Spirit leads you there, it is trying to get you to where God's taking you. That wilderness is a transition area for promotion, a transition area for something better. When Jesus came forth, he came forth in the power of the Spirit. That was after his wilderness. I'm talking to somebody right now that may have been led into the wilderness over the past several months. God is on the verge of promoting you. He led you to the wilderness for a transition of taking you from where you are to where God wants you to be. <laughs> the wilderness is where we are led to grow listen when the spirit leads you there the wilderness is not just a place to endure it's a place of service to the Lord it's a place where we grow it's a place where we have literally in Old Testament times have been commanded to go and commanded to worship God where in our wilderness he said in Exodus 7 and verse 16, And thou shalt say unto them, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, look at this now, let my people, this is Moses, he's telling to Pharaoh, this is what's all going on, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. He says, I'm calling them and I'm leading them to a wilderness where they're still going to serve me while they're in their wilderness. He says, uh -huh, my people, let them go so I can take them to the wilderness where they are going to serve me. <laughs> Moses goes to Pharaoh. He speaks those words unto the Lord. He's saying, let us go to the wilderness. The Spirit's leading us to the wilderness. The Lord wants us to go to the wilderness to praise him, to worship him, to serve him, to obey his commandments so we can totally rely upon his strength and not our own strength. That's what God has our wilderness before. The Bible says then Moses and all the children of Israel in Exodus 16, 10 says, and they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord. You don't see that in the wilderness when the devil forces you there. You don't see that in the wilderness when you get up and go there yourself. But if the Spirit leads you there as you're approaching it, you can't see the glory of the law. <laughs> How can this be? Because I wasn't forced there. 
How can this be? Because I didn't just decide to go there and contemplate something. I've been led there, and so I see the glory of the Lord even before this thing is even finished. Ladies and gentlemen, many times in the Old Testament, there is symbolism. Listen, there's symbolism that people would send the sins, if you will, into the wilderness. They many times would have a goat come and they'd lay their hands on the goat. They would transfer the sin upon the goat. And then what? A fit man would take the goat to the wilderness. The ashes, if you will, from the sacrifices. Those things that were considered dirty and defiled. What would they do? They would come and gather those and they would take them to the wilderness. Because the wilderness is a place where sin is dealt with. I believe this may be one of the reasons why Jesus oftentimes resorted to the wilderness in his preaching. And then we see the multitudes coming out to where he was in the wilderness to gather around him and hear his teaching. Why do you think he did that, Brother McGee? Because sin is dealt with in the wilderness. Not only is sin dealt with, but he wants to remind us at times that our victory and our liberty that it needs to become a place of remembrance for you and I. If you'll stand with me this evening. He wants it to become a place of remembrance. He spoke to the children in Hosea 2 and verse 14. Musicians may come. He said, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her where? Where is he alluring her? Where is he bringing her? He said, to the wilderness. And speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence. And the valley of Accor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there. There where? In her wilderness. She shall sing in her wilderness. As in the days. Listen now. As in the days of her youth. As in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Because whenever they came out of Egypt. And set their feet in the wilderness. It was a time of rejoicing. Because 430 years of their ancestors. Had been captivated by that. And when they stepped in that. I know we look at it with a negative eye. But compared to Egypt. Let me tell you. It's looking mighty good. Because it's a place of transition. It's a place of in between. So when they stepped into that wilderness, man, it was a time of rejoice. It was a time of praise. It was a time of worship. It was a time of sacrifice. And you know what the Lord said? He said, there's going to be some times I'm going to lead you back to your wilderness for this purpose so you can remember what you felt like. So you can remember what you felt like when you first stepped out of Egypt into this place. Whenever you stepped out of Egypt and you had longing eyes for Canaan. Every once in a while he says, I'm going to allow my spirit to lead you back to that place. Just so you might remember. And he says, you'll begin to rejoice there again as you did when you was in your youth. You'll begin to praise God again as you did there in your youth. As in the day that you were brought out of bondage into freedom. So this evening, ladies and gentlemen, the wilderness we all are subjected to. We're all subjected to it. One time or another, we're all subjected to it. But I state very plainly this evening, it's very crucial to know why you are there. Have you been driven to the wilderness? That's a work of the devil. 
have you just went there of your own accord? That's a work of contemplating something. Have you been led there? That's a work of Christ. The wilderness. You've all had one. And we'll probably meet it again. But please, when you first step your feet there, already start to deduce why you're here. Because if the devil's driving you there, his end and purpose for it is not good. And if you're there, it's usually not with good intentions either. Let it be the transition area from your bondage to your freedom. Let it be a place where you reflect and remember how good you've got it with God. Lord, if I ever find myself in the wilderness, let it be with longing eyes for Canaan rather than longing eyes for Egypt. Bishop, I feel like I got the call of Cain on my life. I pray that it touches everybody that comes to the promise. That after we reach it there, that we all become cultivators of the ground. Because if we do, and this is the reason why the enemy of our soul hates us, is if we do, we're shortening the transition from bondage to freedom for those who may follow after us. And he's going to try to drive you back to that place because he doesn't want anybody lessening that transition area. He doesn't want, make, he doesn't want that space to become less where people can contemplate. Somebody hear me right now? He doesn't like it if people spend less time or have less places to spend contemplating thoughts and periods in. I'm cultivating the ground though tonight, Brother DePriest. I'm tilling it. I'm cultivating it. What are you doing? I'm trying to lessen the wilderness. I'm, I'm trying to lessen it if the devil drives them there. I'm trying to lessen it if they go there themselves. And Holy Ghost, even if you're going to leave me there, man, let it even be less. Let it not take me as long to realize how joyful and triumphant it was to go through this one other time. Bring it quickly to my mind's remembrance. Can we bow our heads across this place today? The wilderness, the wilderness. Some of you have been there. Some of you are there right now. Some of you are on the, the tail of coming out of it. The wilderness, the wilderness. But you need to evaluate tonight. Has the devil driven you there? Have you went there? Or is the spirit leading you there? Listen tonight. You need to evaluate that tonight and respond accordingly. You need to evaluate that tonight and respond accordingly. If the devil's been trying to drive me there I'm telling you I want to fight tooth and nail if I've went there my own accord to contemplate man I need to shake myself because I'm going to get disoriented I need to go back to the promise and if God's got you there oh God let me okay I, I really am I'm shutting up I really am I need to I, I got to say one other thing here this evening and let me find it real quick so I didn't don't get it wrong I may repeat this somewhere else down the road, but listen to me. The Bible says, Job spoke these words in Job 5 verse 18. And I, I, am, I should close. The Bible says in Job 5 verse 18, we're acquainted with the story of Job. We're, you know, his wilderness. Listen to me though. The Bible says, for he maketh sore. Job 5 18. For, speaking of God. For he maketh sore and bindeth up. 
He woundeth and his hands make whole. Now you can look at this in two different venues. That God makes people whole and he can also, he can also bind them up. He can also wound them and do all these things. But whenever I read that he maketh sore and bindeth up, he woundeth and his hands make whole. This is the moral. Listen to me clearly. I shut up really. I will. This is the moral that I get from this verse. That God will not inflict you with a wound that he cannot heal. God will not lead you into a wilderness that he cannot lead you out of. These altars are open right now. Let's entertain. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.